0: Good morning, it's Big Church Sunday, so this is the Sunday that let me preach, Um, I'm making in just barely under the age limit, Uh, we got our kiddos in here with us this morning, um, so we are happy to have them, Um, we will continue our series on community, um, but we'll try to get the kids involved a little bit too, okay, so I need all the children's attention, I got a question for you guys. 'Cause I like watching movies. And I'm wondering if any of y'all like superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was watching a superhero movie recently, and it involved my favorite superhero of all time. And I won't give it away, but it made me feel happy or sad, one of the two, because of how he was treated. My favorite superhero of all time is Iron Man. Has anyone seen Iron Man? You know about Iron Man? Hey, he's got this great iron suit, right? And the funny thing about Iron Man is when he gets this suit, it's going to help him be a superhero, but he goes through this process of learning, right? And if you've seen the movie, or if you can remember the scene, uh, you know, he, there's lots of uh, things that can bust and he bumps his head all over the place, and he, it takes him a long time, right, to figure out how to quite navigate this this system, this this body armor. Um, I'm composing my own in our garage right now, uh, just, just prototype. Um, but you can see, I got the posture down, right? This is flying. of your hands right there. Um, and following Jesus is a lot like that. Being a Christian is a lot like that, right? We we need. Um, to grow over time, we need to expand our capabilities and our skills. We need to add to what we already have, and to do that, to get closer to Jesus, we need people. We need other people in our life, like our mothers and our fathers and our friends. Um, and so, um, we're talking about friendships uh, today. And, and speaking over iron, if you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter twenty-seven. Talk about a transition, right? When you catch it, you'll laugh. We're going to look at a passage in Proverbs twenty-seven that talks about that. It talks about how you and I, knowing each other and living together, might become better Christians, might become uh, more close to the Father, might be more able to live out what He has for us. Um, <coughs> For the rest of us, we've been talking about space, right, and belonging, and the different types of belonging there is. Um, We've talked about public belonging, so out in the open, like maybe belonging to a sports organization that you like and are a fan of. So you might go to an event and you belong with these people, but you don't know their names and you're not getting coffee with them on a regular basis, right? You belong together because there's something um, that brings you together outside of yourselves. And there's social space, which is like the small talk of relationships. It's like the dating process, okay? You get to kind of put yourself out there, kind of choose what image you're going to project, and get to see what other people are kind of like, and you kind of get to decide. I might like to spend more time with this person. I might enjoy building a deeper friendship with this person, Um, or maybe not. Maybe I should move on and keep meeting people here in the social space. Um, And so this morning and for the next week or two weeks, we're going to be talking about personal space, and personal space or belonging to somebody personally is what we think of, I think, normally when we think of community, especially when we think of deep community. um, I think we think of personal belonging. Personal belonging is is those people, those individuals in your life that you might call close friends or or maybe best friends. Um, And what characterizes personal belonging is that these are people that you share some private information with. These are people that you trust with your emotions and with your secrets. These are the people that you can go to for advice. Um, that's, the, that's the demarcating line between a social relationship and a personal relationship. In the social relationship, things are kind of low, right? In personal relationships, you're sharing some things about you that you wouldn't otherwise share um, to someone you just met or to the world. And if you've ever had someone jump into your personal space when they're supposed to be in social space, you know how awkward and, and kind of frustrating, how scary, disappointed that is, right? I was speaking at a camp one weekend, and the first night we were there, so I wasn't 100% I was tired, it has been like a long couple of weeks, and so in my mind I'm like, I just got get to this camp. A few sermons, I'll go home, sleep for two weeks, I'll be fine, and... A parent comes up to me, who's like leading one of the groups of kids, um, after the sermon, and within, I kid you not, within 30 seconds of him introducing his name, he's crying and confessing an addiction to me. Um, and while I have a pastor's heart, I love people, and I am very sympathetic towards people who have a hard time quitting certain things, in my mind, at that moment, I was like, what are you doing? We just introduced. This is not the time to share your personal secrets, and I'm not the person to share this with, and it's not the time to do it, or place to do it, and I'm not the person you want to do it with, and this is not the weekend to do it, um, and it was, right, just a clear jump in my mind. I've just learned his name. I'm going to ask him what he does. You have a kid here, ha, okay, great, have a good night. And all of a sudden, boom, he's talking to me like we've been best friends. Like we're close friends who share that kind of information with one another. And I'm glad he was able to, and uh, I'm still friends with him. He's, you know, he's recovered, he's doing great. Um, But that line, when it gets crossed too quickly, or when you get forced into it, often makes people very uncomfortable, right? Um... We, we like to choose who we share our personal information with. Um, we like to choose who our, our close group of friends are. Um, and it's important that we have a close group of friends, our spouse, and then maybe hopefully beyond our spouse, two, three, five, eight people who, who we can share with, who we can share with confidence, who we can trust, who we can let encourage us or challenge us. Um, Because without that, I don't think we'll ever be the type of people God intended us to be. Um, We were made to live in community. And as we've seen, community involves all types of different belonging. But one of the most significant is this personal belonging. (coughs) And if you find somebody who doesn't have a healthy sense of personal belonging, a good network of close friends, you'll find someone who who feels a little empty, who feels like they're lacking something from their life, who's not as equipped, maybe, to face the world, to face the difficulties that the world might throw at them. Um, so in Proverbs 27, in the chapter, um, the topic is friendship, is community, is people interacting with one another. And, and the passage we'll look at, which is verse 14 through 19, um, it is all about the interaction of one person with another person, the relationships that can occur and and some of the things that can happen because of that. Um, So we'll read it together. Um, This is the Bible. This is not me. Um, Verse 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. I love this one (laughs) because I am not a morning person. And I have biblical evidence that <laughs> it is ungodly. And let me be clear, let me, let me state it very clearly. I consider anything before 11 a.m. morning, okay? Um, keep, it, keep it soft. Go into my room. Um, it's counted as cursing. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. <laughs> oh, and me. Um... <laughs> You know how there are some things that only your doctor should say to your wife? There are some things maybe only the Bible should say to your wife as well. Um, Husbands, I don't think this one will go well for you. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or grasp oil in one's hand. And then this classic verse in verse 17, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so in the heart of man reflects the man. Um, Now here we have um, these functional and dysfunctional relationships. These first two relationships are what we call dysfunctional. Has anyone ever experienced or seen a dysfunctional relationship? Yeah, you've not, but you've watched it from afar, okay? Um, Hopefully, we've also been in functional relationships, um, a relationship anytime human beings come together what's going to happen is there's going to be conflict even in healthy good positive best friends in love married couple relationships there's conflict there's tension that occurs when I mean, there's different desires or different ideas or different expectations um, and what can happen is, The conflict can either cause you to divide if you react to it incorrectly, like the first two examples given, or it can allow you to grow and be united. Um, There's a maxim that goes, right, if you want to decrease conflict, do your best to increase it in the present. It's kind of backwards thinking, but the thought is right. If you really want to save yourself some big therapy sessions, get it all out in the open right now, right? Don't hold it back for 10 years until it's a way bigger problem than it is today. Um, sometimes <coughs> creating conflict is actually the first step towards peace. Um, peace is not simply just the absence of conflict. Right? Sometimes that's just disunity. It's just division, separation. Um, so you got the, the friendship and the spouse and these dysfunctional relationships. The guy blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning. And it's kind of this cursing. So he's he's doing a good things, buzzing his neighbor, right? But there's two things wrong with it: the timing and the volume. It's early in the morning; it's like ten fifty-eight a.m. <laughs> and he's he's got the wrong tone, right? The wrong volume. He's screaming it, and because of that, it's like a curse. It's like doing your friend a disfavor. Um, when I think of him yelling loudly, I think of it as like an obnoxious yell. Um, But the sense that's getting at here in the Proverbs is more of a uh, wanting attention yell. Like doing it in public. Like Jesus will talk often about. Don't do good things in public for people to see you. If it's up to you, do it privately. Pray privately. Give privately. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is giving away. Right? Don't do it for the show. Because if you do it for the show, that's your reward, a show. But if you do it just for the father and for your neighbor, he'll reward you. Um, and the sense here is the same. Um, this neighbor yells loudly, trying to get his attention, uh, have his reputation lifted up, but it's kind of his cursing. And then there's conflict in the marriage relationship. It's a quarrelsome wife. Um, this can be translated and is in some as a nagging wife. Um, and the comparison is the nagging wife, quarrelsome wife, um, always picking fights, always throwing little jabs. Um, for the Proverbs, is like rainy day water. Drip, 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 drip. Now, this is not like the relaxing type of rainy day water, right? We're like, oh, this would be nice to take a nap in. This is something that's bad. So, When I first read this text, and actually for a couple of years, I imagined in my mind this was referring to some kind of water, um, what officials might call advanced interrogation technique. Right? Um, It was a depth move to fly above some heads, uh, but still getting the point there. Um, Where you, you lay down, and there's water, drip, right? And from what I'm told... That slowly but surely drives you bonkers. It's annoying, and then makes you start to lose it. Um, but um, apparently, that wasn't invented back here. Um, and so, what with, with the proverb, the author of the Proverbs is getting at here is, is like a house. So it's a rainy day, and there's like a leak in the house. And it's just drip, 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 drip. And the problem's not so much the dripping. The problem is that eventually, the whole roof is going to collapse and everybody in the house is going to be destroyed right Um, so you can see here even in just this proverb before we get too hard on on women or wives um, you've got the wife but then the man to restrain her to restrain the wind to grasp oil in one's right hand so there's two people involved in this relationship lest you be offended at the book of Proverbs this verse right here He's equally mean to men, okay? Uh, so he has lots of intense things to say to husbands about how they should treat and love and respect their wives. Um, but here is a dysfunctional relationship, and the warning is that eventually it'll, it'll crash. And then he goes into the functional relationships, and we have this classic truism, that's um, iron sharpens iron, like a man sharpens one another. Again, two human beings come into connection with one another and they hit. They have conflict. And what can either happen is that conflict can separate you, or that conflict can build you up, can make you sharper. Um, The Hebrew is actually the the face of iron sharpens the face of iron. The face of man sharpens the face of man. Face meaning edge of iron. Sharpening one another. Um, The idea that that human beings in community um, might actually be building themselves up in a way that would not otherwise be available to them. And we get again some examples, some cause and effect. It's like someone who figs a fig tree, they're going to eat the fruit. You take care of these, cultivate these relationships, you'll benefit from them. Um, And he who guards his master will be honored. If you do what you're supposed to do, you'll be rewarded for it. Um, You'll get what's coming to you. Um, And then this last line is very interesting. It's very ambiguous. As in water face reflects face. So like looking down, maybe at a still um, pond, and you kind of see your face in the reflection. So the heart of man reflects the man. Um, There are two ways to interpret this. Um, One way is to say that... um, It's your heart and your thoughts that really let you know who you are. And so it makes wisdom very introspective, right? Knowledge very introspective. This can also just as easily be interpreted as the heart of man is seen or reflected in the person across from you. The idea being you can know what your heart and character is like by looking at the people who you have shaped the most, who you have interacted with the most, that's where you might see most truly the kind of person you are and the kind of output you have in the world, those (coughs) kinds of things. Um, The context here is clearly social, right? It's a community, it's relational. Um, Lots of religions and lots of philosophies equate wisdom with silence and solitude and meditation, Um, but Proverbs here is not doing that. He's saying, no, it's in the conflict of human interactions that people build each other up or destroy each other. And in the heart of man, well, you can see it reflected in the person across from them and the fruit of the relationships that they cultivate. You know, there's a quote that I love by Stanley Harawas says, it's hard, if not impossible, to truly know yourself outside of your community. The idea being you can lie to yourself better than anybody else. You're really good at rationalizing your behavior. And often, if you, if you really want to know something about yourself, you need to ask people close to you. Sometimes a spouse knows a whole bunch of things about the other spouse um, because they're watching and picking up on different patterns, different activities. Sometimes your friends can see things in your life that you can't see yourself. And so you need this kind of interpersonal community. There's going to be abrasion and friction. It's not necessarily an easy or painless process, but it's a sharpening process. It makes us edgier. Iron, sharpening iron. Man, sharpening man. People in close relationships Um, building each other up to be who they otherwise could not be. Um, When I think of relationships like this, I think of things that maybe make us lose our our edge, (coughs) things that de-sharpen us, dull us. Um, And I can think of two big ones, I think, for the Christian life. The first is sin or disobedience. When we're, when we're living in a way that is not glorifying to God, that is not um, in tune with the path that Jesus has called us to walk on, to love others, to love our neighbors, to forgive others, to pray, to serve the Father, to give generously, those kinds of things. When we're living in that kind of a pattern, our relationship to God, our identity kind of shrinks. We get dull. But if you're in a close relationship where other people can see what's happening and have permission to push off of you, they might be able to call you out or subtly bring it up. Hey, I've noticed you're a really hateful, bigoted person, let's talk about that. You need people in your life who, who can, who can um, challenge you. If you don't have people in your life who can challenge you, your life is going to be severely blunted, especially your Christian life. Um, now, the, the caveat I give with this is, and this is where some Christians go wrong, um, you have to be invited into someone's life in order to be able to give them this type of criticism. Does that make sense? you don't just get the opportunity to go around to everybody, just call it like you see it. And if you do, you shouldn't be surprised when relationships suffer. Um, What you should have, though, is maybe a person or a few people in your life who you have given permission to, who you asked. You said, you are allowed. If you see something that I don't see, call me on it. I I want to at least know about it. I might get mad at you Do you have permission? I might disagree with you, but you have permission. Speak the truth into my life. And then on the other hand, you need someone to give you encouragement, people to give you encouragement. So you've got sin on one hand that I think makes us dull, and then another thing that takes our edge away makes us dull is just daily life setbacks. Sicknesses, illnesses, other relationships, work, all these kinds of things, right, um, that can come in and out of our lives, that can just kind of... Lower us. and Burden us. And you need people who know you so well that they can look you in the eyes and say, this person said this. Look at me. It was a lie. Do you trust me? Do you think that I really know who you are? Then ignore this insult. Um, There's been times uh, when I've um, done ministry where I've had people... Um, Serve that role for me and and perhaps I would not still be in ministry if it wasn't for that Um, where conflict was um, around and and various things were happening Um, various things were being said or not said And, and someone that I trusted sat down and said you are doing a good job don't let this get to you and it's still hard if I go, I believe that person and I'll choose them to believe them even over myself in, in this situation of negative emotions, of negative statements. We need people to encourage us. And we need both of this. If you have one and not the other, then I think, again, you're very misbalanced, right? You don't just want yes-men. Like your posse, you and just like, hype you up about everything, right? Um, in fact, I think you're probably worse off if you just have yes-men than if you just had people who were hypercritical of everything you did. I have more hope in people who, who realize they need to improve than I do in people who can't even begin to look at the idea that they might be doing something wrong. I think there's more to work with there. But you don't want people to just say yes to you. You don't want people who just discourage you and, and call you out every day. You need a community that can do both. So. You can balance them in order to build you up to be the type of person that you are called to be. Humans sharpen one another. Um, The sharpening can't happen if if we're not close enough to make contact, to have tension, Um, and to work that tension and a conflict out, hopefully in a healthy and Christ-like way. You need, I think, as a human being, you need that person you can vent to, or that group of people that you can vent to. who you can say things to that you could not say to most people and who you can trust is not going to judge you or think of you according to what you're saying in the next five minutes, right? I'm a pastor, but I I think psychologically, even spiritually, it's healthy sometimes to just word vomit. Be honest. It's not like God doesn't know, right? Right? Oh, you've got this idea and this word in your mind, and your but since are right, um, there's a time and place for all of that, but maybe not with your best friend or your close friends. And if if a person doesn't have a place where they can go, look, I just need to like scream for five minutes, and they can trust that the next time they see that person, all that person will be thinking about is not oh, they thought this. Wow. How bad of a human being. I misjudged their character so much. They go, nope, they were venting. I know who they really are, right? They were having a rough day. So I was going let to them, let them do that to me. These are the kind of relationships that we need and the kind of relationships that we get in personal space. Um, and again, I think this what we often think of when we think of community. So we've talked about belonging. Um, but you can belong in all these spaces. and In all these spaces, you need to have things that you belong to, including the church. In the church, you can belong in a public space. This would be like our Sunday morning gatherings. Although this might be a little more social than most churches, just because of our small size. Um, and then you need social space to belong to people, and you need personal space to belong to other people. And, and, and churches sometimes only teach or practice or push forward one or the other or two. You know, um, It's all about the public, or it's all about the public and the personal, or it's all about the social. Um, if it's all about the social, you probably not a church, right? If it's all about the public, you're missing out on a whole lot more because you can come every Sunday morning for 30 years and never be really changed because you've never actually been sharpened, bumped up against somebody else in real life. And if it's all about the personal, sometimes you might feel rushed into relationships. You might feel like I did, like something was just crossed here, and I don't know why. I, I don't want to share secrets with you right now. We don't have that relationship yet. It takes time and trust and those kinds of things. With all the spaces, we've talked about skills that people must have to be competent. Um, and there's personal skills that are really important um, this is maybe what you should look for when you're looking for people to be close friends with or what you should think about when you're thinking about how good of a close friend am I. Um, People who are really good at belonging to each other and personal space are good at keeping confidence. These are people that you can trust. When I say this to you, it's not going to go anywhere else. Now, if every relationship you have is like that, then you're like a dictator, okay? There's going to be lots of relationships where you should assume, and where it's probably good in most cases. What I say here is going to you know, have an impact, it's going to leak, it's going to do this, or whatever. Um, but you need these close friends where you can be like, this doesn't leave the circle, right? But here's what really happened, or here's what I'm really thinking about the situation. Um, it's all about trust. If you can't, if you can't trust people, then you have no shot at sharing with them beyond your self-projection, um, your true emotions, and your true struggles. Um, people who are, who are good at this um, are good at sharing private information as well, without going too much. Um, so there's still another space which is intimate, and that might be. Your spouse, and maybe you have a bromance like a best friend, um, and that's maybe where you can like leave it all on the table. But in most personal spaces, there's still kind of some stuff that you don't just like randomly throw out right to people. So you gotta you gotta know the boundaries. Like, I'm gonna share these type of things. These are personal and private, but I'm not gonna make people uncomfortable. I'm not going to bring up something that shouldn't be talked about in this, this context. They have the ability to nurture an interest in another person's private information. It's hard to, to be a close friend with someone who just doesn't care about what you're saying. Yeah, 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 your struggles and problems, yeah, yeah, what, what do you want? You've got to be able to, to develop an interest. You have to have the skills to begin and grow and develop one-on-one relationships. In personal space, you're often connecting one-on-one. Not solely, but much more than you are in social or public space. And everyone has their different their different wheelhouses. Some people are more comfortable one-on-one, some people are more comfortable with the group, some people are more comfortable with the crowd, okay? Um but to be a close friend, at least with those people, you have a good one-on-one relationship. You need to be comfortable with meaningful physical contact. So we said this in the social space, you'll have Physical contact, that's not meaningful, and you need to be comfortable with that. Don't freak out about that. So I might have met someone not too long ago, and then I give them a hug. And if we were to pause that moment of time, our bodies are really close together, and I don't really know this person. This seems personal or intimate, right? But I've realized it's just a social space. This is just like a friendly goodbye, okay? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, and I can move on. In a personal space, when you make physical contact, it means something. Um, Guy or girl, I don't care. If If you've seen best friends come together, close friends come together, and do that bear grip hug, right? That's physical contact that means something. Um... Girls, naturally, perhaps, are a little more touchy-feely in their relationships. We like to do, like, cool handshakes. Um, I think that counts. And so when we, when we have these type of relationships, we are able to be challenged and able to be encouraged and able to grow in Christ in ways that I think would not otherwise be possible. Um, and so, you know, I wonder, I would invite you this week to think through your experience with personal belonging in the past. Who have you had who's been a best friend? What made them a best friend? Who have you had who were close friends? What distinguished them from other people that you knew? What have you learned about how to be a close friend or how not to be a close friend? From other people's mistakes or maybe from your own? And again, as a church, our job is not necessarily to magically make anything happen. But our our calling is to make sure that the soil environment is there for people to connect in a deep, personal way um, if they choose to do so, Uh, if they have that need in their life. so we'll spend again, like I said, next week and the week after, because we'll spend some time talking about, in a church context, in a group or Bible study, what are some of the things you might expect to come out of a group that's more personal space? Um, What are some things you might not expect? Um, What are some areas, perhaps, as a church, that will start some new personal space? What areas as a church, um, how are we going to communicate that? Um, We might ask you to to think through whether um, you feel satisfied in your personal belonging. And you might have close friends who aren't Christian, which is great. And I'd still encourage you as a pastor that to be all that you can be in Christ, you need close friends in the body of Christ. Not made-up friends, not artificial friends, not friends you randomly picked to, to go with. I was talking with Eric earlier, he's going to UT for um, uh, his uh, it's not initiation orientation, there we go <laughs> and he was like yeah, we you know, just pick kids and you throw them in a group and there's a leader who, you know, we're supposed to be friends, right he's like, it's not really my thing and I was like, yeah, it's not really my thing either um, you might have picked them to sit next to me but they're still strangers to me and I kind of don't want to talk to them even more now because you're trying to force me to. Um, we were made to live in community and we, we offer personal belonging. We, we, we become close friends with other people intentionally and intentionally create areas and on ramps where people can find and develop close friendships. Because God in Christ has broken into our lives. Has come up and close and personal with us. The Spirit indwells our very being, our very community. Um, Because God in His love knows all about us. And if you look at the Spirit, and the Spirit in the Bible, the Holy Spirit. It often is described, he is often described with the functions of what we've been talking about. He convicts us of sin. And then he encourages us and prays for us when we're struggling. So to, to be a close friend really is to let the Spirit work through you. I think that's often how the Spirit works. To so those people who know you, who you've given permission for them to know you and to speak to you. And so it's it's because of the Father's great love for us that that we seek to intentionally share that love um, with the people around us. Um, As we go through the week, I invite you again to think about who who are your close friends, who have been your close friends, and throughout your life, what are the unique things you've learned about this kind of belonging, Um, what experience have you had, good or bad, um, about what goes on with this? Would you bear with me? Father, we thank you for all the love that you have shown us. We thank you for the um, gift of salvation in Christ and the um, seal of inheritance that we have through the Spirit. I pray that, that you would be with us, and that you would continue to foster community um, at the church in our community and, and continue to ingrain us into community, public and social and personal Father, I pray for for anyone in the room who doesn't have these close friendships of Christian nature, where iron can sharpen iron, that you would um, create in them a desire uh, to find that, and that you would allow us as a church or us as individual Christians to provide a space and a time for those relationships to develop. Um, we uh, we're thankful for all the gifts that that you've given us and. And we want to, our deepest desire is to serve you more and to follow you more faithfully. Um, and we know that we can do that with our friends and our family um, much better than we can by ourselves. So with your spirit and with our church family, um, we give thanks for um, the guidance that you have provided for us. And it's in your son's perfect name, that all God's people said. Amen.